Well, shalom and God bless you, brothers and sisters. Welcome to Fruit of the Vine Ministries. My name is John Davison. We are studying the book of Esther, and we are learning what it means to intercede on behalf of the church. We're learning what it means to be the bride of Jesus Christ. We're understanding the demonic heavenly realms, the wars that are taking place, how we can take part in that battle in these end times, and how we can be the bride of Jesus Christ, spotless and blameless, walking with him heart to heart, hand to hand, side by side, and then being in him intimately and feasting with him now in this time, in this present day, not waiting until we get to heaven, but being in intimacy with the Father right now and knowing his love and his heart. So we're in chapter 7 of the book of Esther in verse 1. So the king and Haman entered the feast and drank with Queen Esther. The king repeated to Esther what he had said on the previous day while drinking wine. For what are you asking, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. Now what is your request? Even if it is half of the kingdom, it will be done. And Queen Esther replied, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, at my petition, let my life be given and my people at my request. For we have been sold, and I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to be annihilated. Now, we talked about this in the previous chapter. Esther is now going before the king, and she's saying, Listen, I've aligned myself with your heart. I'm having a feast with you. I'm supping with you. And here's my petition. My petition is that you would save our people. She goes, Save me and save our people. On behalf of the people, Esther the queen, the bride, identified herself with the people. In other words, we, as the bride of Christ, are to identify with the church, the body of Christ, and petition on behalf of ourselves and the church. Many times when the prophets prayed, okay, there were prophets that prayed in Nehemiah and other places, where they said, Father, forgive me of my sins, and forgive us of our sins and the sins of the people. In other words, even if that individual, right, even if that individual was not deliberately doing a specific sin, he still identified their sins with himself because we're the body of Christ. The eye cannot say to the ear that I don't need you. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. In other words, a body is a full unit. And if one sins, we all sin. Okay, it goes all the way back into the Torah. You know, there was that event where where the Israelites went and, and they destroyed one of the armies and, and there was one from the, the, the tribe that, that took from the pagans and they hid the money in their tents. And God said that you're not going to go and defeat anybody in the land because there's sin in the camp. In other words, the battles of all of the people were affected. The victory was affected because one person in the camp had sinned. Get this now. The church as a whole isn't as effective as it needs to be because within the camp there's sin. So I can be as strong as I am with the Holy Spirit. I can be as strong as I am with Jesus. And I can move forward. But I can only move so forward as what is permitted by the church that I'm, the body that I'm part of. In other words, the people that are near and dear to me, the ones that are in sin, they can affect my 
positioning before the king. And so that's why scripture says to expel the immoral brother from among you. Paul wrote in the Corinthians, he said, this person is in sin, they're in lust, they're in, they're in iniquity, they're, they're having sexual relations that are foreign. I mean, even pagans wouldn't do this, and you're proud? He says, no, expel the immoral brother from among you. Why? That he might be restored. But he says, listen, hand him over to Satan to be sifted. Hand them over. Get them out of the camp. Pray for them. Love them. But they cannot be apart because they're affecting the relationship of all the other people in the camp. He later says, now restore such an one as a brother and love them after they've repented. So there's this internal and this external battle going on. The way, we, the way that we are to, to manage and handle people that are not saved is much different than the way that the church is to handle people that are saved. People that are saved are held to a higher accountability than those that aren't saved. Why is it that Jesus rebuked the religious hypocrites more than anybody else when he was on earth? The people that were supposed to know better were the ones that received the most wrath and harsh tongue. You hypocrites. You brood of vipers. You serpents. You make people twice the son of hell as you. I mean, over and over and over. But to those that were outside of the camp, to the lepers, to those that were prostitutes and sinners, tax collectors, the ones that didn't claim to know, man, he was all over them with love. He was all over them with compassion. It says when he saw the multitudes, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Why didn't he heal the Pharisees? Because they thought they had it right. And they were doing, they were, they were proud. And pride comes before a fall. So Esther goes on behalf of all the people. Says, spare my life. For we've been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain to be annihilated. If only we had been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet, for that distress would not be sufficient to trouble the king. Then King Ahasuerus answered and demanded of Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who has dare presumed in his heart to do this? I think we got the king's attention at this point. See, when you're the bride and when you're intimate with the king, he doesn't want people messing with you. When you're close to Jesus, he don't want people messing with you. He is your, ad, ad, he is, he's your advocate. He is your lawyer. He will rise up in righteous anger and manage the problem. I guarantee you that. He did it on the cross. And he tells the churches in the book of Revelation that if they don't repent, he'll rise up against them too. Why? Because they don't know his heart. They're not in a relationship with him. But to he who overcomes, to he who is the bride and has the heart and the love of the Father, totally different story. So we got the king's attention at this point in fasting and prayer. We got his attention in intimacy and seeking his face. We got his attention in calling a banquet and spending alone time with him, didn't we? Look what happens now. Esther replied to the king, get this, the wicked Haman is the adversary and the enemy. That word adversary and enemy is the same, same root words. These are the same words being used for Hasatan. 
the Satan or Satan. Haman represents Satan. Get this now. The king is angry because Satan is now getting ready to destroy the people of God. And it's because one bride of Christ decided to stand up and seek his face in prayer and fasting and in anguish for those that are being destroyed by the enemy that the king raises up in holy anger. And listen to what happens. Then Haman, the enemy, was seized with terror before the king and the queen. Now the one who was trying to bring terror upon the people, he's pretty scared now, isn't he? And the king arose from the banquet of wine in his wrath and went into the place of the garden. But Haman remained to plead for his life for the queen Esther, for he saw that harm was determined against him. Now the king returned from the palace garden back to the hall of the banquet as Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. And the king said, Will he also violate the queen while I am in the room? Who is he going after now? You see, when Satan tries to plead with us, he's literally trying to defile us. I want you to understand this. When we give in to Satan's demands, we are giving in to defilement of our garments. We are choosing to be blemished because we would fear man more or we're scared of what somebody might think. We would rather have blemished garments before our king and priest than stand in right standing with him because the enemy comes and tries to do these cute little stupid attacks. I mean, really. He's nobody. He lost already. He lost at the cross. Jesus is raised from the dead. Death, burial, resurrection. Defeating death and hell. The enemy doesn't have any authority but what we give him. Stop giving him permission. He was petitioning the queen, the bride, to forgive and to let him live. Please have mercy on me. Why? Because he knows his time is short. Scripture even says that the enemy knows his time is short. What happens when the queen doesn't give in and the king comes in? Will he also violate the queen while I'm in the room? No. Now you've got the king pretty mad, dude. You're messing with his bride. See, when you're the bride, you got a whole nother ranking in the kingdom. When you're the bride, you got a whole new level of favor with the king. As the shout erupted from the king's mouth, they covered the face of Haman. Haman no longer can go into his presence, can he? Because his face is covered. Check this out. Then Haboth, one of the eunuchs in the king's presence, said, The gallows, fifty cubits high, which Haman had constructed for Mordecai, who had spoken good on behalf of the king, stands at the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath was pacified. What is hell? Hell was created for the devil and his angels. That's what it was created for. It wasn't created for man. It was created for the rebellious. Man originally wasn't rebellious. But now that man rebelled, now that they don't have Jesus, those who are not saved, now that they're not living in right standing, they go there too. The enemy is so happy to pull you down with him. So excited to hurt the precious thing that God created, which is you. So excited about pulling you down to hell with him. 
and say, see, God, you couldn't do anything about it. See, I'm destroying what you made. But if there's a people, if there's one amongst many, if there's one bride who will get on her hands and knees before the king in his presence in anguish for the lost, the whole thing could flip on the enemy. If the entire church would get in fasting and prayer, all of them, and remove sins and iniquity, what do you think would happen? Revival. Real revival. Not revival on some sign that says, hey, we're having a revival this weekend, and everybody leaves the same way that they came. Not revival as in we're having a spring telethon revival, and hey, guess what? You know, we're going to, yeah, it's good old days. Remember this, and let's talk about things that God used to do that he doesn't do anymore because we're too self-centered to, to make his heart move. What about making the heart of the king move? What about seeking and saving that which is lost? What about loving the king's presence so much that you don't even ever want to be out of it? What about seeking his face? He says, draw near to me, says the Lord, and I will draw near to you. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that he's just going to come to you. He says, you draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. That's what happened with Esther. That's what's what needs to happen to the church. There's still more to come because we see authority given. We see authority given in chapter 8, 9, and 10. Get ready to understand your authority in Jesus once you've become the bride. I hope this has been such an encouragement and a blessing to you. So God bless you and keep you and love you and encourage you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast of Strength for the Hour. Our hope is that you have received rest, revelation, edification, sanctification, and truth. To learn more about this ministry and to be further strengthened in your faith, you can visit us at our website, www.fruitofthevine.wix.com forward slash fruit of the vine. There you'll find a link to our Facebook and YouTube. If you'd like to send us a letter, please write to... Fruit of the Vine Ministries, P.O. Box 222, Louisville, Ohio, 44641. And for a final word of encouragement, here again is John Davidson. Thanks, Alex. You know, God anointed the New Testament writers, and the Holy Spirit spoke through them, and says this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And Jesus says this in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 8. He says, listen, I know your deeds. See, I place before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Well, praise God, brothers and sisters, that the word of God was able to penetrate into our hearts today and that the Lord gave us strength through his message as he spoke the word through his word by his Holy Spirit to you where you're at in your home and in your atmosphere. So I just thank you so much for taking your time and listening to the word of God with us today. We hope that you've been blessed, encouraged, and strengthened by the word of God. So thank you so much. God bless you and keep you in his perfect peace. In Jesus' mighty name, 
Shalom. Shalom.